right. It is a Wednesday morning for oh, you. Chocolate Buenos dias. Mushy mushy. Buongiorno. Good morning. It is Wednesday, September 25th, and you're listening to the shit show production known as Helmet to Helmet, courtesy of me, the commissioner. If you don't know me, my name is Connor Jones, and I'll be your humble host for the length of this podcast and every single podcast until I die. So, uh, of course, if you want to add to your misery, you can always go find me on Twitter. I'm at Rambler underscore Jones. That's where you can throw ideas at me for either this podcast or any other of my miserable affairs. Why am I so down? Well, I lost. I lost. I put up a great game, and I lost. And that's just how it goes. I'm, of course, recording this on a Tuesday night as a disclaimer. As I do every week, be aware that my knowledge is to the best of my ability. Most things won't have changed before most of you have listened to this, unless you're listening to this in 2020, in which case I'm very sorry. I'm not going to be helpful to you. All that aside, we'll get into it with a couple quick questions posed to us from, well, frankly, uh, multiple members of our league here. So, uh, first things first, we got a question from our reigning champion. Will he ever get a win this season? Now, that gives me the perfect opportunity to foray into any number of ways to smack talk our reigning champion, who is, of course, Jace of Alabama. Now, uh, bearing in mind, Jace is currently... 0-3. He is one of two people with that designation, bless them. The other being Christian. Yup. Oh yeah. I I shouldn't be happy, but I am. We got uh we got a pretty fair looking league in terms of the way things break down right now. To go through it for everyone, uh the overall standings, there's only one team 3-0. That would be your own. He has just been rolling the first three weeks. Ironically, not the top point-scoring team, but he is 3-0. He actually uh, has one of the lowest point... He has the lowest point total scored against him. I correct myself. So, um, wow. That's just... That's just how it goes. Um, in second place overall, we have... Paris, the newcomer, he uh, he does have the most points scored for himself. That's 418 points. That clears second place by only 18, or I guess clears the second most points, clears third place by 18 points. But he has 114, well, 113 and change more points than your own in first, but he's only one, uh, two and one. I, uh, yeah, I knocked him off last week. Just saying. So, um, yeah, we got Paris in second, Daniel in third. Now, forgive me, Daniel, that was not supposed to sound so surprised. It's just, you are only 
18 points fewer than Paris. And when I explain why that's surprising uh, in a little bit here on our match of the week, you'll understand that, you know, Paris's team really won't be doing that particularly often. Anyway, then we got uh, Nathan bringing it up in fourth with a pretty average for the league, well, higher than average for the league, 361 in points scored. You got Austin, he's bringing it up in fifth. Uh, mind you, uh, everyone after Paris so far is still 2-1, and one. so Austin 2-1 and one with 346 points. We got John 2-1 at 343 points, and then I am bringing it up in se seventh place with 352 I've had some good games uh, kind of ran head first into a really good team this week we got Michael bringing it up with uh, eighth place he's one and two as well he's uh, he's only with 299 points and then the aforementioned Christian at 0 and 3 and Jace at 0 and 3 now the reason why Jace asks is he going to go winless I'm just going to tell you, Jace's total points scored on the year. Now, I, I told you the highest was 418. Jace has only scored 194. Now, I get it. The highest to the lowest. That's a big spread. Let me put it another way. Yaron has played three different people over his first three weeks. And he still has a higher points allowed against his team than Jace's total points scored. Jace's average points are just north of 64 points a game. 64. So, um, there is that. Which is just... Oh, it's just filthy. I can't wait to play Jace. Sorry, Jace. We got a uh, we got another couple questions of the week or quick questions rather. This one's much more uh, football related. Is Daniel Jones the real deal? And uh, that's a that's a good question. I'm actually I'm gonna put it right now. I I will let anybody else. Stick it to me as a water bet. Let me know. Find me on Twitter. Find me on our group chat. I think Daniel Jones finishes out the year for the weeks that he is a starter as at least a top half QB2. Meaning he is going to be better than half of, essentially better than half of all QBs starting QBs for the rest of the season. I don't do rankings. I'm not that kind of show. But if I had to, I'd imagine that puts him above Jimmy Garoppolo. For right now, definitely above Baker Mayfield. Maybe Mayfield figures himself out. But for Daniel Jones' sake, I'm going to take a gutsy call right now, y'all. He's going to finish the season better off than Big Ben. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he's, I say he's going to finish no worse than QB, what did I say? If it's, assuming that, that for fantasy, QB rankings go 
1 to 12 per tier, right? QB1s are 1 to 12, QB2s are 13 to 24. That would make him QB18 or higher. That might be not a bold take, but when you remember that far more than 32 QBs play, I'm saying he's going to be basically in the top third of all quarterbacks that see starting work, um, if not higher than that. I would not be surprised to see him be a low-end QB1. I'm just not willing to get wet over that. Um, you can always tell me how you think about that, of course. I mean, I pitch my po or my Twitter all the time. Nobody ever takes me up on it. I think literally the only people that listen to this podcast who have a Twitter are John and Daniel and maybe WT, but I don't think WT listens. Prove me wrong. Um, but yeah, let's just... Let's just wait and see on Daniel Jones. Hit me up if you think I'm wrong, though. Uh, and the last question we had is uh, particularly relevant to me as the Pats defense owner. Someone noted to us that uh, the Pats defense hasn't given up a touchdown this year. I haven't vetted that. I'm assuming that's correct just based on what I can remember about the games that they've played. But let's be real. The Pats literally have the easiest schedule this year, and it gets easier because Miami was not supposed to be that bad. But they literally have one of the easiest schedules for the entire season. Do they give up a touchdown? Yeah, of course they do. If you're going to take the field, uh, any of the teams scoring a touchdown versus the Pats defense, they're not, they're not crazy good. It's not like if every Bears player or Khalil Mack was on the Pats however they're looking pretty stout you know he may be a thousand years old but Belichick can put together a team that knows what the fuck it's doing so I I don't see it necessarily happening this week you'll have to give me a moment here they play wow internet sucks they're playing Buffalo this week I would not be surprised if that streak ends this week simply because just when you think you've got Josh, Josh Allen cornered, even if he throws six pick sixes, he is going to end up running, and eventually he's just going to find the end zone. And the Bills are not bad right now. Uh, it's not an achievement, granted, but they have defeated both the Jets and the New York Giants. So they are the winningest New York team as disgusting as that is to say and um yeah i i i don't see that pat streak going on i realized that austin was probably pulling our leg a bit asking that question but i gave it time so who's the bigger fool now i guess it was always me moving on just in case what do you live under a rock i got some news for all of y'all First of all, Deshaun Jackson, continuing from where we were last week, he'll still be out, looks like, for this week. That can change, adjust accordingly. However, if you have Nelson Aguilar and you don't have better wide receiver options, he can be a great play. Although, a lot of speculation that, uh, that I believe it's, is it Alshon? Holy shit, I'm bad at this, y'all. Uh... Yes, it is. He may very well be back this week. Monitor that situation. It's not for certain at the moment. Cam has uh, 
I believe, a bitchitis fracture in his foot, meaning he just realized that this uh, this rook is performing far better than he can, and so he's going to take a, a nice little leave of absence for this quote-unquote foot injury, and um, yeah, it's time to drop him. I mean, realistically, you shouldn't have been playing him, but still. You got Big Ben, who's officially gone on for surgery. Um, I don't know why I put that in here necessarily. We already knew he was probably out for the year. Saquon, big hit to most teams out there playing fantasy. Saquon will be out for multiple weeks. Find Wayne Gallman. By the time you're listening to this, most leagues are already processed their waivers. None of y'all are stupid. If you're listening to me, you want to hear something stupid. So you're probably not banking on me to give you the answers. But if somehow first round of waivers went through and Wayne Gallman has not been picked up, grab a hold of your junk and sprint into whatever room has a computer and pick him up. I don't care if you have to barge into your boss's office. Pick him up. Vance McDonald was seen with a major sling all over his shoulder. Looks like he's going to be out for multiple weeks. Doesn't look like it has a, a designation yet in terms of what type of injury. But uh, he went out. Uh, he won't be appearing in the Players Who Sucked segment. He went out with the injury. But they just traded for the... Uh, well, I guess he was, yeah, he was a Seahawk, rather. Uh, Nick Vanette traded for that tight end there. Who knows if he's a plug-and-play? I don't think any tight end with Mason Rudolph as their quarterback is going to be well relevant. So regardless of who it is, they don't have Jesse James anymore. So perhaps Vanette is the heir apparent for tight end for however many weeks McDonald's out. You got uh, T.Y. Hilton likely out for this week. He aggravated the same injury he was carrying the designation going into last week so watch that closely now of course the next two are about teams that are on buy it's the jets and the 49ers this week obviously change your lineups but tevin coleman on the 49ers may be back for week five shanahan seems very positive uh shanahan being the coach and for those who don't necessarily follow that kind of shit i don't blame you you got uh, sam darnold kissy boy he will be uh well probably back week five like i said they're on bye so hopefully he just rests but apparently he's had mono even through before week one as it's come out now which is why he performs so poorly question mark i mean we're talking about a dude who performs poorly regardless so all that to say if for some reason you'd been waiting you're a diehard Jets fan, you're a glutton for punishment, and you just decided that you wanted to stash him, congratulations, you can start playing him week five. The injury to Edelman's rib cage does not appear serious. X-rays were negative. That said, he may get rested next this coming week. Uh, after all, the Patriots are playing the Bills, and as good as the Bills have been, it's the Bills. So, uh... Yep, watch out there. You got uh, LaShawn McCoy with a nagging ankle issue. Obviously, he carried that designation into last week with the ankle. He got pulled not before doing his fantasy damage this last week, but he will be 
likely a questionable going into the week uh, into the weekend, and so will Damian Williams. So just I would just keep your eyes peeled. Uh, on that note, Tyreek Hill still has a couple of weeks to go here, so watch for that. And I have full confidence in saying this currently because I know that my waiver priority pick will have already gone through. But watch out for people who have forgotten about Golden Tate as he comes back, especially since Daniel Jones has proven himself in this first week. Golden Tate comes back week five. This would not be a bad pick to, pay, to pick him up now. This is the last week he will be out with a suspension. And he is absolutely in my waiver pickups. So I feel fine sharing that with you because it'll be like well after waivers process for us by the time any of y'all get to hear this. And I will make sure of that. But moving on to things that you all really want to hear about is, uh, well, the players who did let you down, a.k.a. Where is my drop? You suck. Players who sucked. Well, personally, I had Josh Jacobs. I don't know why I thought he would be worth a damn, but I put him in flex position this week, thinking, eh, it's Vikings D, but it's, it's the Raiders, and they're going to slam the ball up the middle a thousand times, and he'll just get sheer volume. He ended up with 4.4 points, and I won't say he caused my loss, because that would be ridiculous, but it sucked. It, it wasn't good. You had... Marquise, quote-unquote, Hollywood Brown, he only got you 5.9 after what he's been doing. That is disappointing. Maybe not quite half of what he was projected, but still. You had Stephon Diggs drop a 3 on you. Chris Godwin only gave you 5.5. Tariq Cohen with a 3.4. James Conner, 5.7. I would love to figure out, and again, it's not that type of podcast, but I would love to look at film and find out are people just stacking the box on Connor and saying, come on, Rudolph, beat us, throw it, show us that you're not whatever? Because I wouldn't be surprised. You're talking about a kid who, uh, let's not let's not besmirch his name and say he's throwing interceptions left and right, but he's not, uh, Juju's not really been relevant. If you take away Juju's one big broken play this last week, uh, he had two receptions for five yards. What? Moving on. You got uh, Mark Andrews, three. I may have to put an asterisk on that one that he he came out of that, I would say, looking a little roughed up. I don't know if there's ever been, or if there has been a designation as of yet. But uh, anywho, you got Kenny Galladay, just ignored. Uh, Marvin Jones had a better week for sure, but Kenny Galladay, 2.7. And Todd Gurley gave you 4.3 now this is somebody who was a league winner what a year ago two years ago this is weird this is very weird to watch this you would have never seen this happen in previous eras of of football a player this dynamic having to be held back are they just assuming they're in to playoffs and they just want to make sure he's fully healthy then i mean is it that nagging is he asking for it i don't know i really don't know uh to me that's one of 
football's great questions is what the hell are they doing with him because everything's so nebulous and McVeigh thinks he's a genius so he's going to give you whatever answer oh you know we want to get him more involved but he thinks he's going to be sneaky so he's just going to do whatever he wants I honestly don't know if the Rams are really the real deal this season they have not looked that strong personally I expect well essentially most of the NFC West to kind of end up right around the same amount of strength if you will I mean the 49ers as a 49er fan I'm going to say that I think the 49ers at you know optimum performance right now are about the average for the entire NFC West division in that if the Cardinals play at the peak of their prowess, if Kyler Murray turns out to become the phenom over the course of the season, they'll be right up there. You know, the Seahawks, minus key pieces, are right around there, and the Rams are not performing at top, and I expect I expect this whole division to be decided by maybe one or two games, unless the Cardinals continue to perform as badly as, badly as they have, rather, and assuming no injuries. Um, the Seahawks might be a surprise disappointment, which I know is not going to be a happy thing to hear for all my local Seattleites listening to this. There is a lot of potential for them to disappoint as soon as teams start to figure out that it's basically Lockett and Carson. You can only do so much when Lockett is your big play guy and Carson is your slam it up the middle kind of player as, as dynamic as each of them as each of them are you're talking about a team that talks all the time about wanting to get back to basics and a coach that I won't say that Pete Carroll is uh, emblematic of old style you know like keep pounding style coaching not at all however he is a bit of the old guard still in at this you know massive shift in coaching that's been going on for all of the other teams and uh i think he's still got a little bit of that lingering where he thinks that you know whatever he's been doing is what's best now they weren't they weren't completely castrated this last week in their loss i'm not saying that that would be blind obviously russell wilson went off and uh tyler lockett was serviceable but i say serviceable more points than you could expect. I say serviceable compared to a lot of the other blow-ups that I'll get into here. But realistically, I I think that this division will either just get taken far and away by the Rams, or it'll just kind of all come to about average, and it'll be a very weird, generally, you know, like, positive win ratio for the entire division, but just weird. Anyway... We'll see how that all goes. I don't think that's literally possible with the number of times every team has to play in division for all of them to have winning records. However, I'll put water on it if anybody wants to water bet me on that one. Um, I guess it's time to move on to our match of the no week. No way. I am not giving up. You have to. No, I don't. Well, so this is... This is a little different. This whole week is a little different in terms of uh, Match of the Week and regerts, mostly because it was not a normal week in our league. I will, uh, I'll go through the scoreboard 
real brief like for everyone listening just in case well I know I haven't done it before so for those who were not playing with us this is the various scores and the you know winners losers for this last week I lost to Nathan I scored 127 Nathan scored 156.3 now Michael had a down week he lost to Yaron but he scored 79.8. Yaron still scored 132.2. Our closest match of the week was between Christian and uh, John. So Christian went to 98 points, and then John came back Monday night, put together enough points to beat him 108.9 to that 98. And then, of course, as we've mentioned, Jace, 63 points lost to Daniel 147.6 points yeah that's more than double that's appalling but just listen to this Paris playing against Austin Austin had a respectable 105 would have beaten what about half the league right Austin had 105 Paris scored 181.4 Now, I'd have to look into this a bit more, but I'm fairly certain that's damn close to a record for our league. He did that on the back of Mike Evans with his 41 points, Keenan Allen with 37, and Mark Ingram with 33. And that's just talking about the people above 30. He also... (laughs) He also had Dak give him 22 He had Larry Fitz come through with a a solid dozen. Greg Olson, 22. Titans D was a low light with two. You know, his kicker only got five. We've nuked the kicker in this league. And here's the best part. He's the Saquon owner. He only got 5.7 out of Saquon. If Saquon Barkley just did what he normally does... We may have seen our first 200-point team in our league ever. I know that for certain. We may have just seen our first 180, but that would have easily gone to the first 200. And it's just... Wow. So that's our match of the week because... Wow. You know, especially because if you had to tell me that either Mark Ingram or Saquon was going to score 30 points at all this season, I would tell you, yeah, it's going to be Saquon twice, not, yeah, it's going to be Mark Ingram ever. And honestly, you look at his bench and Julian Edelman may have ended up injured, but still scored 15. Frank Gore, Jesus, is what is he like, 75 now? He scored 15 points. DJ Shark, great pickup, Paris. I mean, I'm sad that you benched him, 15 points, but, I mean, you really couldn't have done much better except for having a a defense that might have garnered you a few and being able to predict the future with an injury to Saquon, which was, let's be real, not possible. So, damn. I mean, kudos. Now, ironically, I did read you all the different scores it wasn't like 
and this is our, our regret segment, just so you can have the drop. It really wasn't like any number, any specific team had like a huge blow up on their bench that prevented their victory. My, my game was decided by far more than the points I could have gained swapping Josh Jacobs out. Uh, you know, there's, there's reason to believe that Christian maybe could have gained some points by playing Jameis Winston if he, for some reason, and th this is why I say there's not a, a big regerts for anybody here in our league, but Sterling Shepard went off on his bench for 23 points something points, and Stefan Diggs was played for only three. But if you were to ask me which you thought would have gone off, I would have said Diggs. It's like there's just no reason why I would have picked uh, Shepard over Diggs. I mean, even Shepard over Chris Godwin would have sounded kind of silly. So there's not really a major regret uh, across any of these games this week. And I'm not even going to go into Jace's matchup because... 120 points you weren't going to make up by any one player getting swapped out. So the closest games we had weren't really decided by logical choices or choices that seemed like they could have broken even either way. So to move away from all that, I, uh, I will be premiering for the first time this week. Not a drop, sadly. I'm I am working on it. I say that every time. But this is the first time that I get to call it Killer's Corner Killers. For those of you who don't know, this is a new segment. I have a small Pomeranian. He is five months old. His name is Killer. And I thought it'd be hilarious to get a little drop made of him barking, and I'll do all that soon. And I'm going to have a little, um, just a little icon that I drop on Twitter once I get everything rolling where it's this derpy little cartoon version of his adorable face. And every week it alternates between Killer's Killer Corners and Killer's Corner Killers. Depending, of course, if it's going to be a good ma a plus matchup for a particular wide receiver or a plus matchup for a CB slash defensive scheme, if you will. So I know last week, last two weeks, it's been Killer Corners, and I, I would love to get into this and tell you how Mike Evans is going to get shut down by the Rams secondary when Tampa Bay visits the Rams and blah, 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 Marcus Peters. And that may, may very well come to pass. I think if you own Mike Evans and you want to get value for him right now, right now is the time to do it because he's going to do what Mike Evans always does, which is suck for some amount of time and be unpredictable. Of course, that said, he's probably just going to pop off now just to piss me off because I don't trust him myself and I didn't draft him so I'm slightly jealous but if you own him and you feel like he might revert back to the norm now is the time to trade him not after next week because regardless of if he does okay and remains targeted next week he's not going to blow up the way he did against a Giants secondary so next week he plays the Rams that's not what I'm here to talk about because this is Killers Corner Killers. And I'm here to tell you that not only do the Seahawks get a juicy matchup with Arizona, but even if Tyler Lockett somehow draws the shadow coverage of Chris Jones, he's going to burn him. 
Arizona secondary right now looks like a bunch of my grandma's friends playing canasta. They're going to throw hands, sure. But you can slip a card down your sleeve as quick as the next. You know what I'm saying? Like, for Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, who feast on break broken down plays, you're talking about a secondary that I doubt is going to be able to keep up with all that morphing and uh, improvising that's going to go on. You know, Russell Wilson will dance out of three different sacks. That's if... That's if they even breach the pocket, which I'm not trying to be really down on the Cardinals, but let's be honest. They're not they're not the defense that they were a few years ago. So anyway, all this is to say, Tyler Lockett is the downfield burner, and I expect a, at least a bomb touchdown, uh, if not just a great week, and he will blow up his coverage. So, killers, corner killers... This week is Tyler Lockett and or DK Metcalf as they face the Arizona, I mean, the entire Arizona uh, secondary. So, good luck. If anybody wants to start DK Metcalf in our league, I will applaud you. I wish I would I could award you points for being ballsy, but frankly, that's not how this game is played, and if we're really being honest, Jace would do everything in his power to get as many of those points as he could for being ballsy, because he's not getting points otherwise. Oh, it feels good. It feels so good. Having Jace at the bottom of the league just feels like the universe... I don't know, like, trying to pay us back for the punishment. Oh, yeah. Anywho, we got uh, phoning it in, which is... Not happening this week. Phoning it in. Because I'm phoning it in, and I haven't gotten a, an interview just yet with anyone. So I think the first one's probably going to be Paris, if I can get him to agree to a, a short little blip on the phone. Uh, we might finally talk to John officially. He's got something cool to reveal. And, um, yeah, shit. There's really nothing more to say about that. I absolutely, and I say this every week, no one ever says anything, and that's fine. I'm used to it. But if you have somebody you'd like me to try to reach out to, if you have something you'd like for me to dive into with our league members that you've, you know, you, you've spoken with, mo or I have spoken with most of them for this podcast before, I'm totally fine stepping back into it with them with new questions. Give me ammo. I'm I'm here to make this entertaining. I'm not here to listen to my own voice. If I wanted to do that, I could just seal my room for an hour and pretend I was recording a podcast, and my wife would think I'm weird, and my dog would wonder why I'm up. I'm here for you guys. So if I have things I can improve on or things that you guys want me to do with this podcast, let me know. Let me know who you want me to talk to. I'm still trying to put together some... Uh, some actual football personalities, whether that's players or people involved in the sport, and see if I can't um, get some interesting little tidbits that might bring people to listening to this who don't have to do it, or I'll kick them out of the league, you know? Or mom. Hi, mom. So, another dropless segment here is the commissioner's list. I'm going to put something together for that. But uh, last week I left it after talking about the absolutely horrible video production 
bonus point opportunities I'd put together. And, uh, and I had kind of left a, a little bit of a teaser about what I wanted to speak to this week. So I guess to top, to take it from the top, this commissioner's list segment, you know, this is only the third week doing it. And for those who, uh, who haven't heard it, this is going to be, uh, a segment where I kind of give a little bit of our anecdotes about what's gone right and wrong from a commissioner's perspective in our own league, things that I've tried. Um, and eventually if there are questions that can be posed directly to me, I would love to walk through things with people. I truly enjoy the commissioner part of the league, uh, a lot. I mean, I'm a control freak, so it, it's partially that, but it's also just like you get to see it almost from a project management perspective and you get to look at it, dive in, try to make things more fun, be more inventive. So anyway, this week, when those videos fell apart, nobody was contributing. I, I think I, I mentioned I was the only one who submitted a video. Um, you know, I I started thinking like what people actually cared about, what fantasy was all about. You know, the whole reason was we wanted to get together and have a reason to still talk. Well, getting together didn't make sense. We all lived across the country and internationally. So I started thinking about it and I it was kind of pushed upon by the fact that I was going to have a few trips and that I knew that Nathan was going to be going to Australia briefly. Um, and I decided, well, fuck. Have everyone give me their travel itineraries for the entire fantasy season. And if somebody is near somebody else, even if you don't have the time to go and sit and have a beer, you're in the same place. Hopefully you're communicating with one another while you're both in L.A. or while you're both in Seattle. And you get to say, yeah, I'm playing you this week because I'm here. You know, you're the visiting team or you're the, you know, you get to hopefully share the experience and actually do go and sit and watch a game, buy the loser a beer. Um, but... But ultimately, I, I would modify the schedule so that at least if you knew you were traveling to a place, there could be that little bit of fun, not necessarily trivia, but just that extra reason to want to interact that week. And it worked out very well. That first year, I know that in October, uh, I went to Paris, and I actually, not our team member, Paris, France. Uh, I went to Paris, France. I was about to propose to my then-girlfriend, slash then also fiance um and i needed to have christian join us for a few of those days to take the pictures of me doing the actual proposing well guess what i also scheduled our our matchup to be amongst the time i was there so literally i was watching fan or i was watching football and then the very next day ended up proposing to my girlfriend so we uh we made it work he bought me a french beer and i whooped his ass at fantasy uh we found like a little canadian bar or something of the sort in paris proper uh it was a lot of good fun Le shortly thereafter uh, in fact no it must have been beforehand nathan was visiting austin australia and they bought each other a beer or I forget necessarily who won that matchup but they got to be with each other watch a little football on you know some unreasonable time frame if they even got to watch it I'm not going to parent people as they're there um 
anytime John and I have a head-to-head matchup up here in uh, the Puget Sound area, we'll get together. I missed out on getting a, a beer with Paris last week, but the idea is, is Paris is also in the Puget Sound area. He and I should have got a beer. Next time he and I play, we will. So um, I didn't do a whole lot of schedule changes for this season. And that's not for any reason in particular other than just never came up. Nobody told me they were traveling a lot. Uh, Nobody was explaining to me what was their priorities necessarily. Um, But, you know, it's something that's really fun to do in advance of, of your season. Obviously, don't fuck up your schedule to change it. like while games are going on that's just going to screw with everybody and you'll get a lot of people crying foul and then you'll have your your you know your player from alabama start crying about it and making big whiny noises and generally being a a big vacuum noise of uh for all fun chase um but it, it really should be an opportunity you know, if it's not something like this, maybe there's something better. You got you have to Skype during Sunday football, or there's ways of, of duplicating this idea into perhaps more practical ways. Um, I mean, the, the functional part of this is supposed to be like the loser buys the winner a beer, but if it's the weekend and you most people travel and then return by Monday morning because they have jobs... You know, you buy each other a beer, and then maybe the next person, or the person who loses, has to reimburse the other person for their beer. Whatever. The point is, it's just one more way of connecting, because if we're being honest, fantasy football is fun, but I'm not playing this because it's fun. I'm not playing it because I like having to select any number of players, pretend that I have this strategy pretend that i know what i'm doing and that i want to produce a podcast and make money doing it or whatever there's this this great big aura around fantasy that i think gets kind of gussied up by the the marketing strategy around these industries that have grown around fantasy but really at the base of it all people play fantasy because it's a way of interacting with others that is different than standing at the water cooler and asking about how their weekend was or if they got a new lawnmower. You know what I mean? What was that commercial series a few years ago? Friends don't let friends talk about anything but... F- or it was. I, f- I can't remember the premise, but the idea was, without fantasy football, what do you talk about? You know? <laughs> And in our league, that's very true. Off-season, we don't talk about anything. So the, it really is... Fantasy is a great way to make people talk to one another and to keep that connection and to stay in touch with people. And you know what? Finding any possible angle to make that more fun is your duty as a commissioner. Uh, sure, it's to make stat corrections. Sure, if somebody is not going to be able to make their waiver pickups because of family emergencies, it's to do that as well. But those are in-the-moment logistical corrections. What you should be focusing on in the off-seasons is how do you make this more fun? 
Not everybody has to go through the effort of making a podcast. So, anyway. It is getting late out here. It's even later for anybody who's East Coast. Nobody's listening to me live, so I don't know why I'm even saying this. But alas, have a wonderful morning. Happy Waver Day. And, uh, yes. Cannot wait for my Wayne Gallman pickups for all you dumb fucks out there in my league who can't get their heads out of their ass. I'm coming for you this week, your own. And, uh, you're probably never going to listen to this podcast. Chocolate girl, while you're looking